Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt, and I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson. And today, we're kind of going through the question of what is Easter? What does Easter mean? Um, and it might seem a little bit weird because for a lot of us, it feels like Easter's already over and we're past it. But um, Nick, when you came to me, well, you texted me and you were like, let's do a podcast about Easter. And I texted you back and I was like, yeah, like for next year, because Easter's over. And you were like, Pentecost last 50 days. It's not over. And I was like, all right. So this Easter, apparently Easter is still going on right now, technically, right? Yeah. In the historic church calendar. Yeah. So yeah, the church, the particularly liturgical church created this thing called the, that's sometimes referred to as the church calendar. Mm-hmm. And it splits the the uh, year basically into what it calls ordinary time, which is kind of like in the middle of the year. And then there's 40 days preceding Christmas, mm-hmm. which is Advent. Yeah. Right. But then Christmas tide, that is the celebration of Easter is like, I can't remember how many days it is right now, 30 or 40 or something yeah. like that. So it's, it's as long as the fasting. Right. And then, and then you get not very much time until, um, and then there's like epiphany. There's like, you know, when the wise men come and there's mm-hmm. some like things related to the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you get Lent the four days preceding Easter. Right. And then you get Easter and Easter tide is 50 days until Pentecost. Yeah. Right. And so, which is like Pentecost, right? Penta is 50, right? Yeah. So it's, so after the Passover in the Jewish calendar, there's seven weeks. Mm -hmm. So seven times seven is 49. And then the Mm -hmm. 50th day is the celebration of Pentecost. Yeah. Right. And then after that, I think it goes into what's called ordinary time. So that's kind of the church calendar. So Easter tide, that is the time of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus is 50 days until Pentecost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people when thinking about Easter, just think about obviously maybe Thursday, Friday. Right. Holy week. Holy week. Yeah. And they don't think about all of what you just said. And so I guess probably the easiest place to start is with the name Easter. Yeah. Cause I've never even thought about that <laughs> yeah. on this list of like, the question is how did we get the name Easter? And I've always right. just felt like that's probably just what they called it immediately after Jesus it's, rose from yeah. the dead, but that's yeah. not true. Yeah. So, okay. Let me backtrack just for like a second. So yeah. Holy week, what was people say Holy? Week, Cause there's like a lot of people that just don't know any of this, right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they should either. In some yeah. cases, Holy week is usually the Sunday before Easter till the Sunday of Easter. Yeah. Sunday before Easter is referred to as Palm Sunday when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Right. And, yeah. and people lay down palms. He's riding on donkey. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a celebration of his kingship and his humility. Then mm-hmm. you get, um, Monday, Thursday, Monday comes from the Latin for mandate, mandatum, oh. which means something that we're ordered to do. That's why we often call the sacraments, the ordinances. Mm-hmm. They're the mandates of God. Yeah. And so the Lord's supper, right? Communion mm-hmm. is the mandate of Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called Monday, Thursday. It's the Thursday of the mandate of the last supper in yeah. communion. Right. Mm-hmm. And then good Friday is the crucifixion of Jesus. And then Sunday is the resurrection day. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that week. That's and so, holy week. Yeah. Right. And so we in America, and in England have referred to this, the, this resurrection Sunday as Easter. Yeah. Right. And one of the reasons why I think it's important to, to talk about this is there's, there, there are a number of like irreligious or atheistic or neo-pagan groups that are basically saying, um, Easter is just a, like a warmed over pagan holiday. Right. And so one of the questions is, oh my gosh, it's like, is that true? Yeah. Right. Cause we don't want to say something's false just because we wish it was false. Yeah. Right. So, so the name Okay, can we do just date first? Yeah. So some people wonder if the date 
is around a pagan holiday. And part of the reason they ask that is because some other Christian holidays are the, the, the time where we've selected the church selected to celebrate them is connected to a pagan holiday. Like Christmas, like Christmas. Yeah. Right. Right. Christmas is the one people bring up. And like, there's some truth to that. Yeah. The likelihood Jesus was born in December is probably pretty low. Yeah. And they say, um, don't they usually say he's probably born around this time around spring? Yeah. I don't know enough about no. it to okay. say, and I don't think that there's really clear evidence in the scriptures. Yeah. So I don't really know, but, um, but in the, in the Roman, so part of this is, is like, as Jesus, as the message of Jesus was received in cultures as it went out into the different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. There was this contextualization question. To what extent do we like erase all of the culture that existed before yeah. a group became Christian? Yeah. And what can we keep? And so, for example, when we go to India now, like I go with Manohar to India, right? Well, most Indian names in Hindi are the names of Hindu gods. Oh, So when somebody in India becomes a Christian, do they keep their name or do they change their name? Right. So for years, a lot of Protestants, when people got baptized, they were given a European name like Mark or John or mm-hmm. right. So what was the purpose? So of... get it Manohar. Yeah. James. But that's not his last name. His last name is Behira. Like so Manohar James, like our colleague here on staff, James is his Christian name. Uh-huh. Manohar is his Indian name. Yeah. Right. And that happened to a lot of Indians. They just they would take on a quote Christian name. Yeah. Most of those names are are Anglicized. Yeah. Hebrew names. Did right? Paul get a new name and Peter get a new name for similar re- reasons from Jesus? Or was that, that, that didn't have anything to do with like the pagan gods? Yeah, it's anything? funny. Like, it's hard to know exactly why Paul's name changed. It just changes in Acts. He's Saul, he's Saul, he's Saul, and then he's Paul. <laughs> really? And yeah. why it changes is a little bit up in the air. Yeah. Jesus explicitly says why he changes Cephas's name to Peter or Simon's name to Peter. Yeah. Because the Greek word Petros is rock. And oh. so I think he, cha- I think Jesus literally changes his name to Cephas, yeah. which is Aramaic for rock. Yeah. And then that gets translated to Petros, Petros. which is, which is Greek for rock. For rock. Yeah. yeah. And so he is the rock on which he will build his church. Yeah. And G- some people, some Protestants say, no, the rock is the gospel yeah. or Peter's confession. Hmm. And I think Luther recognized the exegetically, like in the verse, the subject of the rock is Peter. Yeah. Peter is the rock. Yeah. Now, but you can't say, but why is Peter the rock? Is he the rock because there will be a eternal succession of apostles in his name, i.e. popes? Or is it because Peter confessed the true gospel? And in the first generation of the church, Jesus would use him as a rock on which he would build his church. Right? Yeah. And so I t- obviously take it as the second rather yeah. than the first, right? Right. So, okay. So, that, so, there, and so therefore, the day of Easter follows the Jewish Passover. Mm-hmm. So Holy Week is Passover week. And so, so when Easter is follows the Jewish calendar, right? And in most, in non-Germanic and Anglicized cultures, Easter is usually called by a Passover name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Pasha or the Pascal or the something like that, which is like some version of Passover. Yeah. And so like, if you go to like the Netherlands or if you go to Italy or someplace like that, um, it won't be called Easter. It'll be called the Pasha or the Pascal or the, right? Because it's the Passover. Yeah. And if you go to most Catholic or Greek Orthodox services, they will use that title, the Paschal or the, the, the right? Because Jesus is the Passover sacrifice. That is yeah. what Easter is. Jesus right. is the Passover sacrifice that is vindicated by God and raised from the dead. So why do we say Easter? Okay. So the, 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 the name Easter does come from the pagan backgrounds of England. 
mm-hmm. which come from the pagan backgrounds of Germany. So people sometimes refer to English peoples as Anglo-Saxons, mm-hmm. right? But the Angles and the Saxons were both groups of Europeans that came from the continent and conquered England after the Romans. So you had the Picts and the Britons, and then the Romans come mm-hmm. under Julius Caesar, yeah. and they take over the southern part of England, and then... They fight all the way up to where Hadrian's Wall is, which is like most of the way to Scotland, mm-hmm. right? And they don't really get much further than that. And then there's this big mixing as mm-hmm. the Roman Empire falls apart. The like ro- the Romans and the which are like Italians and French and like yeah. all these people who've come in, uh-huh. they all kind of end up mixing with the Britons and the Picts and all these like native yeah. tribes. And you get this like vague paganish sort of now changing Christianish. Yeah. And so it, this is when like Augustine comes and like you get St. Patrick. Yeah. And and like things are really wild and woolly in the British Isles at these mm-hmm. points. Like for example, I've heard it said that like 80% of the Irish economy at this point was either um sex trade or slavery. Really? Like that's all they did, right? By the time you get to the 8th century, um and the Danes start coming, mm-hmm. it's like raping and pillaging for the next 400 years. Really? So what's happening in these cultures is you've got like basically five or six completely different people groups Mm -hmm. trying to be like melded together into one people Mm -hmm. as Christianity as a faith is working through all these different peoples. Mm -hmm. And it looks kind of weird. And it's kind of Roman Catholic, but Roman Catholic isn't Roman Catholic yet. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, so it's rooted in Rome. You get these bishops, they're building these monasteries, but basically it's monastic Christianity. Monks are coming out and they're building these abbeys. And they're trying to create more Christian communities mm-hmm. amidst these highly paganized peoples. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Okay. And that's the context. What do these people believe in? Like the, the Irish people, like I'm Irish. Like what, what were they, what, what, what was pagan about what they believed in? Just pagan that they were like atheists or something like that? No, no. They, pagan in the traditional literal sense. Like they believed that, that, the, that nature had representative gods. Okay. Uh, and those gods were many and they were connected to the natural workings of the world around them. Mm -hmm. So the trees had spirits in them, dryads and the, and the rivers had spirits. The native Americans had that type of, in some way. I mean, they, there were different dynamics, but yeah, Yeah. there were similarities in the sense that like nature was seen as enchanted. Yeah. Does that make sense? The God is the nature in some ways because of the spirit in the nature. Right. And that's why people are like afraid of the old forests and they believe that there were spirits in the water and they, right. They really believe that. And they would refer to things as she, right. So like, you know, before the English called boats, she, they would refer to like mountains and trees as, as he or she, because they were personified. And so in that mystification or enchantment of all of life gave like life a real richness in the midst of the brutality of what life was like in those days. Does that make sense? So then you're saying that these, the, these Christians, were had to like find a way to infiltrate that with the Christian faith. And it was, right. it was different. So they're coming in and preaching Christ and, and many yeah. of these people are becoming Christians. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, there's hundreds and hundreds of years of these like cultural things laid down and everything's already named. Right. And mm-hmm. the question is, do you change everything mm-hmm. and say, okay, here's all the Christian names. Right. Your culture is gone. That I mean, that really doesn't work for human beings, yeah. especially if you've got five or six different groups of like interworked and created this like melded mm-hmm. culture yeah. to rip that culture apart yeah. amidst all these different groups of people is kind of, sounds kind of foolish. Right. People so get mad about that. 
And so part of the issue too is, is that the, so you have this culture that was referred to as Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. culture, right? Mm-hmm. Before the Danes came. And it was like these five or six different groups, kind of the Angles, the Saxons, the Britons, the Romans, the Picts, all these, the Welsh, all these people kind yeah. of mixed together. But only two of them got them their names in the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they were the ones that like basically the Saxons and the Angles came in and like they conquered the continent yeah. or the yeah. Isle, right? Uh, yeah. Not all the way to Scotland, but like basically from Northumbria all the way down. Yeah. Right. right. And so... And so basically paganism kind of gave way to this, right? But part of it is paganism had named everything. Yeah. So like every hill, every road, every mm-hmm. waterway, every tree, mm-hmm. every month, every day of the week, they were all had pagan names. Yeah. And those, they're really hard to change because like even right now right. we have all the same pagan names. And what 2000 years are you going to fight as if, as like a missionary Christian who's coming in here, you're not going to try to change all the names of everything. You're going to try to just get people to believe in Jesus. Right. Right. Like they, they, have, they don't have time to do that. Right. So, so Easter, the word Easter comes from the name of April, the name of April, the name of April in the Anglo-Saxon calendar. So April was called Eistomark, which is, which is the month of Eistor. Yeah. Eistor is the goddess of the dawn, Mm -hmm. right? Because the spring equinox comes in April. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that like, so, so a lot of paganism was built around the year cycle. Right. And yet a good bit of Christianity is built on death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So spring is both a good pagan metaphor for the cycle of the re- of death and rebirth. Yeah. It's also a really good Christian, Christian metaphor yeah. for death, the yeah. death of winter and the resurrection of spring. spring yeah. So basically what the Christian missionaries and, and pastors sh- attempted to do was to was to switch the metaphors yeah. without being more disruptive than they had to be. Yeah. So they kept. So and so. It's like they didn't change the name of April. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They were just like, let's give it a new meaning. Yeah. They were like, basically, we need to give this a new meaning on the basis of it. So one thing I I think is worth reading. um, One of the the great monks of the Anglo-Saxon period is is a monk referred to as the Venerable Bede. And Bede was a historian of England. He was one of the first historians in the modern sense. And Bede Bede is the only reason we know that Eastermark was the name of April in Anglo-Saxon culture, that it was named after a, a goddess of the dawn because yeah. this Christian monk tells us. So yeah. Christianity in this sense is because a Christian monk was open about this is the only reason we know any of this. Mm-hmm. So he gives us the name of all the months, right? And then he says, um, he says, nor is it irrelevant that if we take the time to translate the names of these months, and then he, he talks about the first month of the year, then he says, Eastermarth, Easter Monath, that is the month of Easter, yeah. has the name which is now translated Paschal month, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, Eastermark is the name that they had. We mm-hmm. translate that now into our language, into early English as yeah. the Paschal month. So he's, see how he's already making this transition. Yeah. And then he says, in which was once called after the goddess of theirs named Eastor, uh, in whose honor feasts were celebrated in that month. Mm-hmm. Now they designate the Paschal season by her name, calling the joys of the new rite, by the time honored name of the old observance. Mm-hmm. So he's, what he's saying is, is like we celebrate the Paschal month with all of its parties and celebrations, right. but there's a time honored name that has been associated with April yeah. and the rebirth of the, of the environment around us. And we yeah. use the time honored old name mm-hmm. of the Britons, but we, we've retranslated to the Paschal month of the Christian feast of Easter of, yeah. of the resurrection or the Paschal. That is the yeah. Passover. Right. Yeah. So, I think it's really important to recognize that like, so this is really clear. We do know where Easter mm-hmm. came from. We are told by a very good historian. Bede is a very good historian. Most mm-hmm. virtually all the facts that he puts in his histories 
turned out to be correct as we've investigated them archaeologically. Yeah. Almost nobody is as good a chronicler as he was. Yeah. Um, and so this is very likely this is correct. There's yeah. no reason why it would be not true. Yeah. Um, and but this is the explanation the Christians gave. We kept mm-hmm. the time honored traditional names mm-hmm. of of April and so on. And we know that it was named after the goddess of mm-hmm. the dawn or of mm-hmm. the of resurrection or mm-hmm. rebirth. Yeah. We kept that name, but we gave it the meaning of the Paschal mm-hmm. feast. And that's what it means. And so among German and English speaking peoples, it, Easter became the reference to the feast. I saw I the, the thing that my head immediately goes to is is in Acts or somewhere in the New Testament. I think probably in Acts when what was it Peter? So, I mean, basically it was just like don't eat at the table where you're eating the same foods that are sacrificed to God, that's a pagan gods, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's what people think about this in some ways that like using the same name that had a meaning for something that was pagan mm-hmm. then should we just like now that we know that should we just like completely re I don't like should we just rename Easter or something like that just yeah. because I think that's probably where people start to feel weird about it because they're like yeah maybe we've changed the meaning but the roots are still there from all the way back then and right. to a certain group of people hundreds of years ago this meant this meant the pagan meaning it didn't right. mean the Christian meaning and that's yeah. I think that's probably from what what I would assume is that's probably where people start to get start feeling yeah. weird about things. Yeah, I think so. So so there's three possible views here. One is that Easter is paganism. The second is that Easter refers to paganism mm-hmm. and should be changed. And the third is Easter refers to something back in our histories mm-hmm. that was if you go far back it was connected to that but is no longer relevantly connected to it and yeah. that meaning is gone right. and therefore there's no need to change it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is the difference between like association and derivation, right? Okay. There's a lot of things that are associated with things or historically that no longer have that meaning. For example, yeah. the word pissed in English yeah. um, is still considered a semi-vulgar word, yeah. but it's fr- it, it refers in the 1880s to like very drunk drunkenness. Oh. To be pissed drunk in England meant to be super drunk. And so now it would behave it in a very like vulgar way. Pee. Right. Right. That's crazy. Right. And like in the 1960s in America, if you said sucks, there was like this reference to a kind of sexual immorality. Whereas most people now would just think it's like a semi-vulgar word for that stinks. Yeah. Right. And so part of it is like words that have certain meanings, they lose those meanings over time and they take on new meanings. Right. And so like, there's lots of examples of this where like, if you say, well, you know, Easter came from this. So like Christian is pagan. Well, if that's true, like, um, if you go to McDonald's, are you celebrating Babylonian fertility cults because Babylon was the golden city and used arches? It was well known in the ancient world as like the origin of arches being used in modern ar- in architecture and because they were connected huh. with fertility cults that if you go to McDonald's, you're doing or like the the, the day Friday in the week, right, is named after Frigga, mm-hmm. the proto-Germanic goddess of marriage. So we don't do Fridays. Anymore. Right. So like, can, so then, so think about this. This is when a lot of people go on dates. Right. It's like. Date night. That's a big... So, like, if you go on date night on Friday, which is, like, the pagan god of the marriage ritual, Mm -hmm. right? Are you celebrating the proto-Germanic goddess of marriage, right? right? And are you a pagan? And and here's the thing. Lots of atheists do that. Yeah. Right? Well, are they worshiping... Well, the answer is no. It's just Friday to us. It's Friday, yeah. Nobody has any idea where that name came from. Certainly no pagan associations, and they're not consciously worshiping anything about Frigga or how she would want marriage to be, right? That's what I found to be weird, especially about... 
people who really get worked up about some of this stuff is that you don't know where it ends. You don't know where it stops because you could probably find something in almost everything that has some sort of historical reference to something that's not Christian. Right. And where do you, at what point do you draw the line and you say, we're living in the time that we're living in with the words that we're using yeah. to describe these things that don't mean that thing anymore yeah. to me. And it's completely lost. Yeah. I mean, March is the month of Mars. If you call the third month of your March, are you celebrating war? Right. Or like... Um, the 4th of July, where we celebrate independence. Well, July is named after Julius Caesar, the first yeah. great Roman dictator yeah. and destroyer of the liberty of Rome. So are we actually celebrating dictatorial government overruling right. when we are celebrating the 4th of July, when we think we're celebrating the freedom of our country from yeah. the British, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, well, no, none of those things yeah. mean that anymore. Right. Right. We've interposed a new meaning. July, and yeah, that can the, be successful. The months are literally just a way for us to like measure what's right. happening. And, and, and you have to call them something. Yeah. And those names come from somewhere. Yeah. And they're the most recognizable. Yeah. That, that's, that's helpful because I think he, that I've heard so many things. And like, and, and most, maybe the people, I think it's genuine, like people are genuine and trying to figure it out, but it, I've heard a lot of things like this, even about Christmas and about all these things, like mm-hmm. you're celebrating a pagan holiday and like, what are you doing? And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm celebrating whatever we've been doing for the last like 22 years of my life where it's about Jesus coming alive and, and from the dead. So I, yeah. it, so, so, it, so in Easter, it's important to recognize the date when we celebrate it is completely connected to the Passover. It's Jewish, it's Christian. There's nothing pagan about it. The name Easter, which is only used among Germanic and English speaking peoples. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're like, well, Christian Christianity is pagan because blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well then believe in Italian Christianity or Greek oh. Christianity or yeah. North African Christianity right. or you know, right. Like yeah. all, all you have to do is just move to a different, to a different place. like cu- cultural linguistic fountainhead yeah. of Christianity. And this, whole argument falls the apart. name easter isn't right, yeah what are they they, u- they don't use Easter. they don't have they don't use yeah. their language yeah. right so what do they do in a- africa what do they call this time period? it depends on what the church tradition that's taken root there is yeah yeah but usually some kind of version of the passover but a lot of africa was evangelized by english speakers yeah and germanic english like Ger- german speakers german and english are very similar in certain ways mm-hmm. and so a lot of them call it easter yeah you know because it's they weird got, they got it from us this. yeah it's weird to think about all the different culture like all these different cultures. I don't even think about that ever. I just mm-hmm. think about the United States and what we do for Christianity, right. but I'm sure Christianity, like in terms of celebrations and things like that, and, and even traditions looks way different. If you go to Africa, or if you go to China in some ways, like mm-hmm. the, the, the core doctrines are probably the similar or the same. They should be based off of what the Bible yeah. says, but then how those things are celebrated and how people come together is probably yeah. different. It is different in a lot of ways. And then some things are strangely the same. Yeah. In fact, whenever I go to India, I try, I speak on this. I talk about like, okay, this is from the Bible. This is not from the Bible. Yeah. So for example, in Southern India where they build churches, they still will build really tall steeples. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's how you build a church. And we're like, well, it is. But in Northern Europe, there's a lot of snow. Yeah. And so you can't have a flat roof. Yeah especially by architecture that was being done in the 10th century. Yeah. And so like steepled roofs were necessary all over Europe. Right. They're completely unnecessary in India. Hmm. So why do you, cause I'm not just saying building like a spire that points up to God that has a cross at the top yeah. that like that has right. some metaphorical significance, yeah. but like the whole roof of the building is all like, like V shaped. Yeah. And in India, there's no reason no why reason that should be the case. Yeah. Right. But they just do it because like that they've seen pictures of European Christians. So, right. um, hmm. th- so that happens like as, as beliefs move, yeah, 
not just the foundational belief moves, but also the culture of the people moving the belief. Mm -hmm. And so when Christians came to America, they didn't go, you know what? We should rename this. Yeah. Because it never occurred to them to do it. Well, okay. So we have written in here that some people think it's a pagan fertility cult. Yeah. And we kind of like you mentioned that about McDonald's. Right. Um, McDonald's is a, has a pagan fertility cult. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and so... So you have to connect the two. Has anybody ever done that is then the question. Yeah. What is... Yeah. What? Why, wait, why do people... The pagan fertility cult, why do they equate that to Easter? Right. So like if you watch YouTube videos on this, right, they won't just say, you know, the name of the God of April was taken by... The, what they'll say is, is that that goes further back yeah. to other fertility goddesses and fertility cults all the way back mm -hmm. to ancient Egypt or ancient Babylon, right? Yeah. And the place where this has gotten from is very, very sadly from an English free church pastor who wrote a book called The Two Babylons, Papal Worship Proved by the Worship of Nimrod and His Wife. And essentially what, what um, Alexander Hislop, the author of that book, argued was that if you look at all of the practices of the Roman Catholic church, he hated the guts out of the Roman Catholic church. And he, so he's a Protestant and he's a free church Protestant, which means he's not even like high, high church, like a Presbyterian or a Lutheran. He's like, as like low church as you can be. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's like no ordination. Churches are completely free of the government. Like they're outside of the government structure. Like in, in England, churches are a state endeavor. Yeah. And the free, what free church means is not under the state thing. It's yeah. outside of the state thing. Yeah. Right. So the evangelical free church, it doesn't mean it doesn't have any evangelicals in it. It means it's from the free church. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I when Chris Dolson was first pastoring, um, yeah. Blackhawk church, yeah. which is an evangelical free church. He was doing an interview with a news person and she thought evangelical free church meant a church free of, free evangelicals. of evangelicals. Yeah. And so she was asking all these questions and he was giving kind of strange answers being yeah. an evangelical. And, she, and he was like, and so he had explained to her, she's like, oh, because free church means that the, that the free churches of Sweden and yeah. Norway, yeah. when immigrants came to America, they brought their quote free churches that is free yeah. of the European governments Government, yeah. here. And then those two churches came together and yeah. just became the evangel the, the Swedish evangelical church and the Norwegian free church or something yeah. like that came together, became so the, the evangelical the free church. So the words that are connected are free church, not evangelical free. Right. Yeah. And right. I, it's an evangelical yeah. Free church. Growing up, we went to an evangelical free church and mm -hmm. we called it E-Free. So that's confusing because right. we connected those two evangelical yeah. free instead of the free church. So E-Free. Right. E -free. right. And, the re and where that even comes from is, is that the, it was two denominations. The evangelical free church is the only church in American history in which two denominations merged into one and then grew. Really? Yeah. Every other denomination that has merged, there have been many in America, they're on the decline and they merge and they continue to decline because yeah. both because both groups are in decline. Yeah. The evangelical free church really did it out of unity. They're like, look, we're all basically Christian Scandinavians. Yeah. We came here. We should, we don't need to have these tiny churches like Norwegian free churches and Scandinavian evangelical churches. We could, we could just all become one denomination and right. that would work. And yeah. so they did. Yeah. And then the church continued to grow. Right. And has continued to this day. What, why? Did, okay. So, uh, this might be a little bit off track, but like high point used to be Baptist, correct? Yeah. So what was the, what was the transition there? Why, why did you guys choose? To yeah. High point was like independent fundamentalist Baptist. So we were never really part of a denomination. We were okay. planted by like Uber fundamentalist Baptists who are yeah. fiercely independent. Um, and then over time, the church moderated a little bit because we weren't really fundamentalists. Yeah. We believed in the fundamentals, mm -hmm. the virgin birth of Jesus and sure. like the resurrection, all that stuff. Yeah. But we didn't believe in the second degree of separation. We weren't as anti-Catholic. We weren't anti-intellectual. Some of the other marks, second degree of separation, some of the other markers of fundamentalism we no longer believed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so um, in 1991, they renamed the church to just High Point Church. 
and begin referring to it as an evangelical church. Okay. So when I teach classes, that's why I say it's an evangelical church in the Baptist tradition, because we still have a lot of like, it's kind of like Easter. Like it we is have part a, of the evangelical denomination. No, no, it's not part of any it's denomination. Not, but evangelicalism is a theological position. Yeah. It's right. A th- theology. Or attitude, you yeah. could say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's not a, that's not a denomination, evangelical. Or is it a denomination? No, there, no, there are evangelical denominations, denominations that are evangelical in their evangelical. theology, but there's evangelicals are not a denomination. And this church is non-denominational. Right. With we don't, evangelical theology. Right. With Baptist roots. With Baptist roots. Right. Okay. Right. And then. some of our roots are kind of like Easter. Like nobody knows where it came from. Yeah. Nobody knows that it's Baptist in history. And they're like, why yeah. do we do this? So weird. I was like, yeah. it's because we were Baptist. Like, just what, like, what, why do we do this? Well, it'll be Anglo-Saxons called April. Yeah. Easter month. Yeah. And so when the Paschal came in April, they celebrated the Paschal, but they kept the name Easter for Easter. the Easter month. Yeah. And so we call it Easter now. Yeah. It, and it's like, oh, the, the difference that, is, is that, yeah, sorry. No, well, that's a big deal. I think the way that we talk about these things is a big deal, though, or the, the way that people like think about the words that we're using is a big deal because it can yeah. get, this is extremely confusing. Yeah. We don't know any way. history. Huh? We don't know any history. Well, we don't know history. People don't learn any history. No, we don't know. We don't know, know history, but also it feels confusing in some ways that the, it, we might not know history, but also like it's confusing in my head when we like change the meanings of, of words over time. I don't, yeah. I just wish it would all just stay the same and we didn't have to change it like that. So yeah, we should definitely do a podcast on the fundamentalist, fundamentalist modernist controversy when in American history, all of the words of Christianity got changed in their meaning. To that needs to happen yeah. because people have no idea what they're saying anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should do a podcast just on the book, Christianity and liberalism by Jay Gresham Machen and his assessment of modernity and, and, what he considered called liberal Christianity. And he's, is he breaking down what we, the words that people say and what yeah, those mean? Yeah. He'll go through and say salvation for 2000 years meant this. Oh. Now under modern, under modernism, we keep the name salvation, but yes. now it means something else. Which means that Completing maybe a, human evolution, that kind people of aren't saved. That's what that was Mason's view. He basically, he yeah. argued that liberal or modernist Christianity, which has nothing to do with politics. It's just liberalized to fit in with the ideas of modernity. Yeah. He said that it was a different religion that used the same yes. nomenclature as Christianity. I agree with that. I haven't read the book. Yeah. Well, we can read the book. That'll yeah. be fun. But well, and he said that in the 1920s. Yeah. So he, was, he saw it early. Yeah. yeah. And now it would be, yeah, it's, it's much different. So to, get, so to get back to this question yes. about Easter. So right. if you want to say that Easter is, can, is really just a warmed over pagan holiday, you have to do more than just show the Anglo-Saxon call Anglo-Saxons called Easter Easter, April, Easter, March. Yeah. And, and it, that was connected to the goddess of the dawn and how it was named. Right. You have to actually show that like, that, like we are still celebrating this thing and that it has a long history, right? Yeah. So Alexander Hislop in his, in his desire to destroy the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the 1800s, archaeology was still basically like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. But like more was being done in the 1800s that yeah. had ever been done before, especially out of England because yeah. of imperialism, right? All these boats were going everywhere, taking all these colonies. Mm-hmm. And so everybody who wanted to dig stuff up just went all over the world and yeah. dug stuff up and mostly brought it back to England mm-hmm. for people to see as like spectacle because you could make yeah. money doing that. But they also were researching. Yeah. And so Hislop like was was like taking in a bunch of stuff that was in the news relative to new language studies. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the learning of different hieroglyphics. And so there's all this information about, and so he was taking this and saying, Hey, look, there's all this evidence of the history of fertility cults. And then he saw that as an explanation for why the Roman Catholic church was the way it was. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he basically can, he, he did two things that were bad. Right. Mm -hmm. One is he 
thought you could do things etymologically that you can't. That is the roots of words. Yeah. And he would take just like two letters and be like, you see that word is connected to this word and this word is connected to that word and this word. And he's like, he's going from one language to another. Yeah. Assuming that like base roots of syllables that you can like with one sub syllable, you can say this word is that word. Yeah. But like, and so like, if you do it and you sound smart doing it, the average reader reads that and goes, oh my gosh, that's true. Yeah. It's not true at all. Right. And then what he did is he took every depiction of a mother and child Mm -hmm. all over the world in different places. And of course, every pagan culture has some depiction of mother and childhood because paganism is rooted in nature Mm -hmm. and human nature and procreation is rooted in mothers and children. Yeah. So every pagan culture has stories and myths and pictures Mm -hmm. and symbols of a woman with a child. Yeah. And so he's, he went through all these different ones to see, here's a mother and child. Here's a mother Mm -hmm. and child. Here's a mother and child. Now you see the Madonna, the mother and child in the Catholic church. See all these other mothers and children are connected to fertility cults. Mm -hmm. Right. And you see the mother of God, Mary and Jesus. Mm -hmm. This is just a continuation. And so if you, show all these pictures and then you say that you can match the syllables. Mm -hmm. So he said that basically the name Easter was the same root word as Ishtar. You see how sort of sounds like that might work? Mm -hmm. Easter, Ishtar, Ishtar, Easter. But the problem is like Ishtar is from Babylonian. Easter is Easter mark is from like Anglo-Saxon or Britain. I was going to say, where's the, 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 the sounds aren't the same. The alphabets aren't the same. I was gonna, is there's there no any like relationship historical, between the there's no relationship there's at no all. There's no historical yeah. relationship at all. Right. Yeah. In fact, one of his argument, his arguments was this all goes back to the biblical King Nimrod, who they, who is believed to have built a Babylon. Now remember Rome is called Babylon in revelation. Yeah. Okay. Now, if Rome is the seat of the Roman Catholic church and Babylon is the antichrist in the book of revelation, right? Yep. And if the Roman Catholic church is the global expression, expression of Rome, of Rome and all bad religion came out of Babylon, that's what mm-hmm. you think. Mm-hmm. Then it makes perfect sense that they, the Roman yeah. Catholic church is the, is the great antichrist. It is the Babylon of the book of revelation, right? It is, like it is sent into the world, to destroy the faith of all. It's really just, it's, it's pretends to be the true faith of Christianity, but it's actually warmed over fertility cults that God has hated throughout the entire old Testament. It was created by this first idolater, pagan Nimrod in the Bible. Why is that? Not, and his wife, Samaramis. I mean, as why is that not? Are, because is, every fact about the theory is false. That's the problem. So like in terms of like the language and the connections between yeah, the languages. all the connections that he makes yeah. historically are in fact all incorrect. But, but, but the story sounds good, right? If you, especially if you just like Catholic. But could the Catholic, yeah. Well, could the Catholic church actually be that even without the connections? Could it end up being like the, the antichrist? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, but like there's, a, there's so many of these kinds of arguments. You can, for example, yeah. I was just reading Ezekiel. Somebody came up to me in Barnes and Noble the other day mm-hmm. and told me that Ben Shapiro is the antichrist. So you can, yeah, you can, knows? yeah, he was like, I don't want to like gossip. And I was like, just, he, he was weird. And he was like, but I think Ben Shapiro is the antichrist. And I was like, I just watched him today. I don't, I don't know. But not I, yet. He, yeah, maybe not, not yet. yet. I like yeah. what he has to say right now. Yeah. So like, but I mean, if he, so for example, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, there is this whole description of Gog and Magog in all the places that the final armies are going to attack from to destroy Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go through all the places put and um, like Gog and Magog and Gomer, and you take all these names that are in the text and you put them all together. Yeah. Okay. All of them except one are more than 90% Muslim right now. 
And the one that isn't is some people speculate that Gomer isn't just the western end of Turkey, but it actually is sort of central Europe. So Greece up through Germany. Okay. Now, Islamic immigration to Germany and Greece in these places is so fast. And those places aren't reproducing themselves in terms of the European natives. Yeah. And so those, those places, some dem demographers are calling that part of Europe, Eurabia, that it's becoming essentially Muslim, mm -hmm. a Muslim populated area as the white people don't procreate, procreate themselves and new Muslim immigrants come in, mm -hmm. which means you could take that whole map of the final battle against Christ mm -hmm. and you map out the populations of those lands. They're all Muslim. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, Oh no, Islam is the antichrist. Yeah. Right. Okay. So like, but see, who knows if that's right? Right. There's people right now that think that um, because Magog, Gog and Magog are the northern countries that they'll come out of the north. Well, what is directly north of Israel? I have no idea. I don't Russia. Know. Russia. Oh. And Russia is trying to take over Ukraine. And so people think that that's the Antichrist. Right. The bear out of the north is yeah. Russia. Right. So Russia will then pull together all these people. And of course, the old Soviet Union supplied all the Islamic countries with yeah. armaments yeah. throughout most of the history of the Cold War. Right. Right. So so maybe Russia, Gog and Magog, by giving arms to all the Muslim countries, yeah. will be this unholy alliance between Russia. So here's my issue. I don't believe any of that, but I don't disbelieve any of that. But then, I don't know. Do you know Alex Jones? I've heard, I know Alex, Alex Jones, Jones thinks it's the global banking, it's the global banking system. Oh yeah. No, there's a and, lot of fundamentalist Christians. I've met fundamentalist Christians here in Madison who believe that, yeah. that the European union will be the new world order. That new world order will then like force the mark of the beast on us through economic means and so on. So he, here's the problem. Elon Musk. It could be him. Could be. <laughs> He's creating that little to the, to the neuro chip that's going in right. your head. So, yeah. right. So like in that sense, there's a certain kind of plausibility yeah. that you can make for these arguments. Yeah. And yet at the same time, like, it's hard to prove them. Yeah. I mean, Which we'll is probably see. why God did it that way in the Bible so that we wouldn't, uh, I mean, we can't figure it out. There's like 50 different things that could possibly be the Antichrist and we can't, we just won't be able to figure it out until it happens probably. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll be able to figure it out when it happens. But as of right now. Yeah. If any, if any power calls upon you to deny Christ. It is functioning as Antichrist. As an anti Antichrist. Right. Yeah. Is it the Antichrist? Right. I don't know. Like m millions of Christians have been murdered over the course of Christian history as yeah. martyrs. And they didn't, it didn't make much difference to them if the person who killed them was acting as Antichrist yeah. or was the Antichrist. Yeah. Right. Um, just, I mean, um, the Apostle John says many Antichrists have come. Yeah. Right. And right. he's the one who wrote Revelation yeah. that has this picture of the beast and like sort yeah. of like a final major antichrist. Right. So the idea is as Christians, is it's not really our job to predict when the antichrist is coming. Yeah. There are many antichrists in every generation. And the yeah. question is, how do we respond to them? We respond to them with a right. martyr's heart and right. faith. Yeah. Because the way that you respond to the antichrist and all the antichrists, plural, is going to be the same, right? Just with the same attitude. It, or it should right. be both times. Right. Like the heart of a martyr is resist. to bravely refuse yeah. to deny Christ and to be yes. faithful to him to the end. Right. Right. You've seen the movie silence. I think we might've talked about it before. Liam I still Mason. haven't seen it. No. It's really good. You should watch yeah. that. I was going to ask about the language thing. What I, you know, like historically what the first language is, would that be he, like the Hebrew language? The first language ever in the history of ever the world? in the history of the world. Uh, in recorded I think, history. I don't think anybody knows that. So you, you could talk about the first written language, which is some form of hieroglyphics. Oh, but those are pictures. Right. So like the first but so form there of... But there were some forms of writing where the hieroglyphic that is the picture was normalized to be like a word. 
Okay. And so, so the first writings, you had these very simplified drawings that stood in for words. What about the first alphabet? So most people, I think, would say cuneiform is the first alphabet, which is basically like a bunch of lines. Okay. And so those were, that was, that there was like a tool with like a little line with like two little f- like flanges on the back. Yeah. And it was designed to be able to like stick it into clay uh, and to really quickly like yeah. make, make marks. And then you could bake that clay and then you yeah. had like a formal, do- formalized clay document. Document. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, and it was mainly, I mean, we, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these and most of them are like receipts or like contracts or. Yeah. Stuff it's like stuff very for the boring, economy, yeah, very boring yeah. stuff, but yeah. that needed to be formalized. I've always wondered. I think we should do some podcast about language and that kind of thing too, mm-hmm. because I've wondered what it like. Uh, there's it got, what does it mean for Jesus to say that he's the Word? Like in the beginning was the Word was in the Word was with God, and and like what is the importance of of the words of Scripture? I just think like the literal words and written in their languages and why did God choose to have Hebrew and Greek be the languages and things like that. And how much should we pay attention to translations compared to these things? So I think that that would be interesting. That'd be be great. Um, thing, but I want to, I want to say, yeah, yeah. I want to say a little bit more about like his love and that stuff. Do you want to ask us? Well, I I guess it was just like, you kind of talked about the pagan fertility cult. Did you, was that like the, how that's connected to Easter? I think the most important thing is like, so, um, there's a lot of non-Christians. There's a lot of Christians who might not like Catholics who might yeah. care about this. But really what happened is, is that after Hislop wrote this, mm-hmm. what happened is, is that through the 19, all the way through the 1980s, yeah. you you could find this in fundamentalist and very conservative evangelical circles where people had read this book and they believed it was correct. Mm-hmm. And they used it to attack the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a guy named well, Ralph Woodrow, who in 1966 wrote a book called Babylonian Mystery Rules and trying to ex- explain to American conservative Christians that like that's what. And then there was a guy who wrote like cartoon based tracts yeah. that were distributed in the millions. A guy mm. named Jack Chick was his name. Mm. They, they were Chick tracts. Okay. And some of them were like specifically anti-Catholic tracts, yeah. trying to persuade Catholics to become Christians. And basically he made this argument that like that... Um, communion and all the rituals of the Roman Catholic church are essentially pagan mystery cult things and that you should repent and leave the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm a committed Protestant. I believe that it would be in a person's spiritual best interest to leave the Catholic church if one is Catholic, but not for these reasons. I think these are false reasons, but here's the problem with this is what happened after like say the 1980s is a bunch of like people who don't want to believe in Christianity got these arguments and, and made started making things well much later into into ultimately YouTube videos basically yeah. saying Christianity is just a fertility cult blah blah freaking blah. They took the arguments against Catholicism and turned them into arguments against Christianity so that you could be a neo pagan or an atheist or an agnostic to yeah. justify dismissing Christianity's truth claims. And so what this guy wrote to make Catholics Protestants ended up being used to destroy the faith of some Christians and to make sure people who weren't Christians never became Christians. Right. And I think that that's a huge tragedy. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show God never wants you to tell a lie to support him or to fight his battles. Yeah. Because this is the kind of thing that happens. That's why he said, do you think he was intentionally telling a lie? Or you're just saying because there was Man, literally no evidence, know. like like there's no way that he could be like doing this out of good good faith. I mean, if he yeah, did, it's how that's where I'm at with it. I it's very hard for me to figure out how he could have done it in good faith. Yeah. If he did it in good faith, it meant that his um, prejudices were so, so strong, strong, yeah, that he couldn't see that he was 
doing something stupid. Yeah. And so if he was doing it in good faith when he wrote the book, it was yeah. because he allowed his Catholic hatred to grow in bad to, faith before it. Yeah. Because he's a, clearly a bright guy. And he, I think he was a Christian. Yeah. And I think he was trying, I think he thought he was serving the Lord. Yeah. But I think he bought into the anti-Catholic arguments of his time in Scotland at the time. And I think that that affected him. And I think it's, it's, I don't know how many people it's, it's harmed in their ability to believe in Christian faith and literally not a, not the first iota of this is true. Like even the argument, even Nimrod being married to Samaramis, like they're not even from the same century. (laughs) And she didn't know that because he didn't know that because dating systems weren't very good then. Uh, But Samaramis is a, is a queen from Assyria in like mm -hmm. the eighth century Mm -hmm. BC. I mean, she's not even the same, same, if you take the Bible literally yeah. and you believe Nimrod then existed yeah. from that documentary evidence. Yeah. And then you look at the statues of Samaram's like they're not the same country. They never, there's no way they ever knew each other. Yeah. Like, so you, you've got to postulate this wife Samaram's that we don't even know existed. There are no, there are no accounts of it. Like all right. the accounts are basically made up. Yeah. And so it's very easy for this stuff to like feel good, mm-hmm. but there isn't any historical yeah. backing for it. This and so, feels a lot like conspiracy theory stuff. Mm-hmm. And how, and what I've seen in a lot of it, more, I mean, like politically right wing conspiracy theorists is that they they want to fight back against something, and so they'll they usually don't yeah. have much historical evidence for what they're fighting for. Yeah, but it'll kind of just be like, yeah, this is a cl- this they're is a really classic. mad at something, whether right. that's like the the government, the Democrats, what Republicans, right. whoever. They're just really mad, so they have to just do something about it. And right. this is the type of stuff that gets created out of that. I yeah. Think. If you're mad enough or if you hate a view well enough, then any argument is a good, is a good enough refutation. It's yes. like the classic, uh, and, and any weapon to hand. It's like yeah. you're in a fist fight yeah. and you're like, what can I grab to hit this guy with? Right. You know? And it's like, Oh, here's something. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is that if you're not, if you're not going to believe something, don't believe it for the right reasons. Right. You know? So I would just, I say, look, if you're a Christian, first of all, and people, if you've heard this and you've seen these videos on YouTube, you just need to know that, that there's just, there's this really great line in the Wikipedia article for Hislop. Mm-hmm. There's just, at the very end, there's just this line, no historian has ever confirmed any of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just complete speculation yeah. and false. Yeah. And once you know where these things come from, yeah. it becomes easier to dismiss them. Like the whole argument of like that science and religion are at war with each other. That was invented by two books in the 1880s by a guy named William Draper and Andrew White. White. They just they wrote books that were pseudo scholarship, mm-hmm. and they've been proven to be so. Nobody defends those books, not even secular scholars today. But they created this idea, and the idea still lives that religion and science are at war with each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, some scientists and religious people are at war with each other. So the books were written by those guys in the 1880s were... They hated religion. Yeah, okay. So they were, they were on the science... They were on the science, science side. side. Yeah. And they were in that line of um, Aldous... Or was not Aldous Huxley. Um, Thomas Huxley, who was like who was oh. referred to as Darwin's bulldog. So oh. Darwin came up with the idea of evolution. Yeah. Well, he didn't come up with it, but he like popularized it in a certain yeah. kind of way. And then... But it was Thomas Huxley who was called his bulldog. That is, he fought everybody for, for the doctrine of uh, the, the, the doctrines of evolution because evolution in the 1840s was not a very defensible position. Mm-hmm. The other views had more scientific information on their yeah. sides mm-hmm. and it was very difficult to substantiate evolution. Right. Mm-hmm. But Huxley believed in it and but Huxley does, believed in it because it was atheistic. He was an atheist yeah. and he wanted to believe in atheism as he fought for Darwin. Yeah. Now, if Darwinism is true, then, then Huxley turned out to be right, but yeah. for the wrong reason, which for I still wrong. consider to be immoral. Yeah. And, 
It is very, I think it's really hard to even say now that there's enough evidence to support Darwinism as well. I mean, when the archaeological... Well, we know, it did, we know Darwinism didn't happen the way Darwin explained it, yeah. right? We Most scientists now believe that evolution happened. But if Huxley would have been honest, and Darwin would have been honest, and the people who attacked them would have been honest, the theory probably would have developed a lot better. The But they believe that it, that it happened without any archaeological evidence. That's what... I mean, there's no... There's not a single piece of evidence in There's the entire no, planet that okay, shows so, any transitional fossils. You, right. So this gets a little far afield. So yeah, so yeah. this is the this is the issue like um if in the in the fossil record life gets more advanced. Right? Nobody disputes that as sure. far as I know, right? Um so the question is what accounts for this? And so right. if evolution is going to be proved by the fossil record then you would think there would be transitional figures, something something between yeah. a trilobite and a right. fish or something, yeah. right? And those, it, it's arguable that none of those exist. exist. I've never seen a compelling one, right? Yeah. And so the question is like, okay, so should we have found any? Yeah. Because the fossil record isn't a systematic record, right? It's like a weird, it's it's like created by disasters and so on. Yeah. Would it have caught a transitional figure? And we're not, You would think it would have because there would have been thousands it, of these transitional it figures. Would have been, there would, there would be some somewhere, yeah. yeah. So that yeah, that's been a continual when yeah. I, so like there's a book by who's the guy at Discovery Institute in Seattle who's written a bunch of stuff on this. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but there's a guy who did his PhD at Cambridge in the philosophy of science. And one of his books is on the fossil record. Yeah. It's, it's basically like the fossil record still, still has not vindicated Darwinism in the sense that it hasn't produced transitional figures. If you, if, if all you need to prove Darwinism to yourself is that life gets more complex over time, then the fossil record does prove that Darwinism is true. But that would just be like uh, microevolution. That would just be like a like like we like I, I would evolution has like four different definitions. Does, does that mean like well when you say like that it's gotten advanced? Does that mean physically physically gotten advanced or that we've mentally right. mentally gotten advanced or like both? That? So d biological life. I would argue that we are idiots now compared to like <laughs> what we were. What but, Paul the but as those, biological systems, we are more complicated than three hundred million years ago. If the Earth is three hundred million years old, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you stipulate that the earth is old and so the fossil yeah. record, but part of the issue though, Andy is like, if everything is from, if all the fossil record is from the flood, then you would expect all these different body sizes to be in situ with each other. And they're not really like, you don't sure. get dinosaurs in with the, in with like the earliest, like, like you get, there's different layers, right? Yeah. And the idea that like the flood was such that it produced numerous layers of sedimentation that laid out the way they did globally without a lot of intermixing of fossils just doesn't seem right. Yeah. And so anyway, but I, I kind of want to get back to the Easter yeah, thing yeah, just because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think those topics are important, but I want yeah. Christians to be able to go to some of these yep, as resources. Yep, yep, yep. So I think I, I want, so I want to be really clear that um, the date of Easter yep. is just the Passover. There has nothing yeah. to do with paganism. Mm -hmm. The name Easter does come from this Anglo-Saxon name for the month yeah. of April that was connected to the goddess of the dawn. Mm -hmm. And I explained why Bede said yeah. in, a, as, in a missionary context, mm -hmm. they were allowed to retain the name, though they transitioned yeah. the worship, right? Yeah. I don't actually think there's anything wrong with that. And yeah. missionaries have done that all over the world. And yeah. if atheists and agnostics are, or neo-pagans are going to be too persnickety on yeah. this, the fact is, is that they do it all the time. When they, whenever they, they say Friday or March, right. I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which we're constantly doing this. When you say there's nothing wrong with it, like you're saying you really can't find anything in the Bible that would make you think that it's a sin to, to say to Easter. do these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to say I don't, Easter. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. But, and then, but then a number of the things we do at Easter, some of those are of pagan origin and yeah. I don't know why we still do them. Like what? So What's like it? Easter bunnies. Yes. 
Yeah, I was thinking about they're a like, pagan symbol of fertility. I don't see how they are reappropriated Christianly. Yeah. Right. The Easter fires that were fairly popular popular in Europe, for example, I don't see how those are a Christian symbol. Mm-hmm. Right now, so so like so for example, Lent, that seems to be a Christian invention. And it seems like in the early church, people fasted sometimes for one day, sometimes for five days, sometimes mm-hmm. for up to 40 days. Yeah. And so Lent is an, is an invention that mm-hmm. the church came up with, but so is everything. Right? Like right. East, yeah. Easter, however long ago that was, like yeah. that was an invention, that right? An invention. So um, is it fitting the Christian faith? Well, fasting before, in the time of the suffering of Christ seems to be fitting, yeah. right? So you can't, you can do it. But when you make it legalistic, you're like, it's no, not the commanded. Lord said, it's not commanded yeah. anywhere. No, Jesus, no. In Colossians is very clear that like people celebrate things differently and you're not to judge a Christian brother or sister on the basis of it. Right. Yeah. So as if you long as it's celebrating the thing that's good. Right. If right. you celebrate Lent because you want to participate honor and honor God yeah. and like enter into the sufferings of Christ and think about the sufferings of Christ, fine. Yeah. If you don't, fine. Yeah. Right. Then there's things like eggs. Like eggs are a pagan symbol. Oh, let me say it this way. They're a symbol of birth, right? And yeah. a birth out of a tomb of darkness, so to speak. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Because paganism <coughs> preceded Christianity, yeah. right? Um, at least in Europe. Yeah. The pagans used all the good symbols mm-hmm. for themselves, yep. right? Yep. So if Christianity can't use or reappropriate any of those, any of those yeah. symbols, then what are we, gonna we do can't use yeah. any symbols. Right. And we're just going to have... Right. I, the first, when, we were, when I was just thinking about what to talk about in this podcast, I thought about... Like, what's the first thing that I always think about when I think about Easter? And it's eggs. That's all. I right. just think about eggs Easter every eggs. time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, so part of, so in pagan Europe, they didn't have plastic eggs with t- Laffy Taffy in them, yeah. right? The idea was, is that um, the, it was getting warmer and the roosters were going to fertilize the eggs that the hens were laying. Yeah. And they were going to patch into chicks. Mm-hmm. And you were going to get chicks. Mm-hmm. And so the eggs were going to break forth into new life. Yeah. And so eggs were a symbol of the new life of spring. And like, this was, I mean, listen, if you lived in the, in the fourth century in Mm -hmm. Britain, that was your life, man. Yeah. Like the the fact, if you got, if you went from 12 chickens to 38 chickens this year, because all these eggs hatched and you were going to get all these new laying hens. I mean, this was huge. And it was a symbol of your life continuing. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, so can Christians reappropriate the egg? Mm Mm-hmm. Is as a symbol of like breaking into new life. I mean, like, I don't see why not. Yeah. Right. So, um, so my issue is, is that the biggest paganism in modern Christian expressions of Easter is how the paganism of consumerism Mm -hmm. has entered into Easter and utilized the pagan symbols of the egg and the rabbit. You could say the same thing about Christmas as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's happened is, is these pagan symbols that actually don't accommodate Christian truth very well. Yeah. Those have been the locus of the new paganism of consumerism, right? Like if you think what's consumeristic about Easter, it's the Easter baskets, it's those chocolate Easter bunnies, it's the egg hunts, it's all that kind of stuff that takes focus away from Jesus and and puts it on something else. And that something else is spending money on gifts and chocolate and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of churches are like doing that, like that. They're using that as like a way to pull people in. And that, would you say that that's wrong? Like, is if your evangelism, if you're a church and you're going to be like, we're going to do a big Easter egg hunt and have the Easter bunny there and this whole event and like Jesus is like yeah. kind of the side note. I mean, there's so many churches I've seen do that. Like they yeah. advertise on social media. It's a whole 
thing. I don't know if I want to argue that it's that's inherently wrong. I think that it's it can easily be one of those things where Christians do a lot of activity and nothing of Christ happens. Yeah. I, I know some churches that do it and they, they capture everybody's personal information and they connect it with them for future Christ, Christian things. And yeah. it just becomes a way of accessing the pub, general public. General public yeah. Because if you tell the general public to come to celebrate the resurrection of our Christ, <laughs> they're, they're less motivated than to come get candy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's a classic like bait and switch. Our bait and switch is okay. Can you draw people to you with something other than what you ultimately want to give them? Is that an act of good faith? And I think that if you give the bait freely... If they can come and take the bait and not get caught in the trap, then it's ethical. And so kids can come. Like if we haven't, we've had Easter egg hunts at high point. Kids mm-hmm. come, they get the Easter eggs. Their parents don't respond to anything. They don't come to church mm-hmm. and it's fine. We bless them with candy, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, but other, or so, curse them. <laughs> yeah. In a way. But, um, but if they come and they want to get connected or they meet yeah. people from the church that are nice and they go, maybe we'll come to church here. Yeah. Then that's great. Hmm. You know, but, and then when they get here for their Sunday morning, they're not going to get plastic eggs. No, not they're every week. Jesus. Yeah. Well, okay. So then, so I guess the final question would just be, and I can't, we've talked about this, but should, at the end of the day, should people use the name Easter? Um, mm-hmm. And if this hasn't convinced people that it's okay, then what should they do? Yeah. So I think if you're convinced that it's not okay, that you should obey your conscience. And calling Easter Resurrection Day or Resurrection Sunday is perfectly fine. Yeah. So some people do that. And there are churches that do that. They don't want any association with it once they realize where that word is from. Mm-hmm. And so they change it and they just call it Resurrection Sunday. Or you could say the pa- the Paschal Feast. Yeah. Right? Because that's what Christians call everywhere else that's not English or Germanic speaking. Right. Right? So you say the Paschal Feast, you can say Resurrection Sunday. Right. right? Those are Jewish and mm-hmm. totally Christian of origin. Yeah. Um, I don't think that using the word Easter is objectionable. Mm-hmm. I think that it is one of these things where like words change their meaning over time in new eras of human thought and existence. And I think Bede was right. I think, I think you can re refill the meaning of spring with the resurrection of the son of God from the dead, as opposed to the rebirth of the world from the death of winter. And that that was actually intentional because God chose the spring to be the time of the Paschal feast and in spring belongs to him. And that these would be connected in his providence, I think is a good thing. Yeah. So I don't see any problem with using the name no. Easter. I think I have one more question because I think it's, it definitely has to do with this. There's a, there's this group of people that we've talked about and, and I think they, they tend to be on the more conspiracy theory side of life. Yeah. Um, how, how should those people who are generally just skeptical of literally everything and are trying to figure out, you know, like, like the pagan stuff and, and, and stuff politically, like how should those people think about researching these things? Cause uh, the people that I know who are doing that are doing Instagram and YouTube research. And yeah. it's pretty frustrating. Cause you'll talk to them and they'll be like, no, 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 no. You just got to watch the video. And it's like, this it's got like 35 views. It's there's, you know, you and 10 other people that believe this. So it's very, yeah. how should people who are prone to this type of, yeah, I mean, but some of these conspiracy theories do get big. Like, what's the right wing one that was like, like after QAnon? Trump? Yeah, like the QAnon, QAnon one was yeah. like big. Yeah, you know, it's huge. And I think part of the issue there is, and so like all cultish kinds of things, usually do the whole like, look, I'm not forcing you to believe this. Like, right. you know, it's so for QAnon, it was do your own research. 
Yeah. But use the things I tell you to research right. to do the research. Yeah. And the the problem is, is with QAnon is it was so outlandish that everything you couldn't get to the bottom things. They were just like things and they're like, oh, see, that points to this. Yeah. And then the research they would try to offer would support their theory. And it was almost impossible to research the opposite or to falsify right. it. Yeah. Um, and I I I think that part of it is um, you have to become wise about how, because some conspiracies, of course, are true, mm-hmm. right? Like, but they're often not what you thought they were. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I remember like this last election. Remember how it was like the election was stolen? It was mm-hmm. the voting machines and the blah, blah, mm-hmm. blahs. And like, there was part of me that was kind of like, you know, I kind of wonder if that's mm-hmm. true, yeah. you know? And, but what I decided was, well, I need to wait till there's physical evidence of yeah. it where we can show that it happened. Otherwise, it still might have happened, yeah. but I can't prove that it happened. And right. I shouldn't say it happened. Right. Right. And so I waited. Right. And it turned out that that we didn't. Nobody could prove that. Yeah. Right. And but then it did get proven that the CEO of Facebook poured hundreds of millions of dollars into very key mm-hmm. places to move votes into a very, very yeah. well financed voter turnout operation that was unprecedented since in the entire history of our country and spent more than the entire democratic or Republican party on voter turnout. And that was by far enough to flip the election. Right now, as far as I can tell, those are all facts. I felt like they they, didn't they also find evidence that there were people who were dead who voted in certain Mm -hmm. counties. Yeah. Entire Alzheimer's wings where a hundred percent of people voted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, so like I, I, we, but we had to wait two years for that. Yeah. You know? And so, and it wasn't, by the way, like, I'm not saying that, I, I think that there was certain amounts of cheating in the election, but not nearly enough to flip, I think Joe Biden won, fair and, not fair and square, but I think he, he had, fair and square. He, I he didn't win Joe fair Bi- and, As far as I know, Joe Biden won legally. Legally, yes, he I, got more. I would vo- not say yeah. fairly. No. From a moral perspective. Right. Because I don't think what the average American voter would have thought would was fair or a right, right. like a rightly fair way to conduct an election is what happened. Right. But I do think based on the laws that existed, yeah. I think the cheating was legal. Right. And so therefore, even though the election was rigged, it wasn't stolen. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. But I yes. do think if right. the average American voter knew what happened, they would be outraged. Yeah. I mean, incredibly outraged. Yeah. Even though I'm not, I think there, it does sound like there are some things that happen that if they're not illegal, it's crazy that they're that not they're illegal. illegal. Yeah. 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 I, I, th- I think that Joe Biden won. I'm not one of those people who thinks that Trump actually won. He's still our president. Those people are pretty cringy, but yeah. They, I mean, he's literally a, like inauguration is what creates a president. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so he's yeah. not, <laughs> yeah, he's right. not our president. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, what, how do those people think through some of these things like Easter, like Christmas and the people who are trying to push back against the culture and all that? Like, what do they what do they what do they do about these types? How do they think through this? I mean, I think part of it is you, you have to go through a few of these and be disappointed by them. Yeah. I also I, th- I think people need to have a healthy understanding of how difficult conspiracies are, are to pull off. I mean, all you need is one whistleblower. Yeah. And the whole thing falls apart. It's very hard to keep everybody silent about it. Like, um, you know, uh, sometimes it's incredulous. Like if you look at the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, the idea that that stuff went on so long and it didn't become public until it did. Yeah. Of course, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, that was a conspiracy that went took, on for a really yeah. long time. Right. So that's why conspiracy theories are attractive because there are people conspiring all the time to do it's happened and and it's happened for a long time in certain scenarios right and also over the last maybe 10 or 12 years in american society trust in our institutions has declined radically and now now with things like you know the 
the the Meg Whitmer um that Meg Whitmer kidnapping thing where none of the people arrested were were um convicted because of the FBI's involvement in creating the plot. Where to, when this is in Michigan and it was an October surprise huh. that people were going to kidnap Meg Whitmer, the governor of, of Michigan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then it turned yeah. out that the, that more than half of the people were FBI informants yeah, and that they had as much hatched the thing yes. and recruited for it as right. they had stopped it to mess with the Republic. Right. I mean, and, and, and so this was done by the FBI. Yeah. Like, like the, these are the people who that you're supposed to trust to keep conspiracy theories from happening from happening. Right. And now you have this like very evident conspiracy there. So as this happens in America, what's going to happen is a proliferation of conspiracy theories. Yeah. More and more people are going to believe in conspiracies because they have less and less reason to believe that they're false. And do you think maybe more and more of the conspiracy theories will actually end up being true? I think some proportion more will become true. Yes. Because I think that, because people believe they should happen. Yeah. Pe- more and more people believe mm-hmm. that the way to win is by conspiring. By conspiracy. And the more that's true, the more conspiracies right. you're going to have. And then the more theories of it you're going to have. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I think the point is, is whether conspiracy theories are true or not, Christians mm-hmm. still are supposed to keep their head in all situations, as the Apostle Paul said. Yeah. And to do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. Like we're supposed to do the work of like being for Jesus mm-hmm. and following him as best as we know how. Because here's what's going to happen. When a conspiracy theory comes to pass, at some point you have to be propositioned to do something mm-hmm. that Jesus says is wrong. Mm-hmm. And at that point you have to have the guts to be like, no. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you don't have to know if a conspiracy is a conspiracy. When somebody invites you to conspire, the answer is no. Yeah. Whether it's a Democrat or Republican, yeah. FBI or yeah. Russia or right. whoever, right? And yeah. that's why you have to know yourself. You have to know your mm-hmm. Christ. You have to know the truth. Yeah. You and know. you should focus on knowing history too and what's happened before you. I mean, that's the biggest thing for this Easter thing. Mm-hmm. I never even thought about one time in my life why we even called it Easter. I just was like, this is what it's called. And ask maybe asking yourself some of those questions about well, all the things that you do will be good so that if one day a YouTube video pops up and it tells you that Easter is this pagan holiday and you're like worshiping Satan, you can kind of be like, I've done some research on this. I know that's not true. Yeah. It's a fun video to watch, but I'm not going to believe it. So Yeah. And, and more and more of these things are really well produced. Yeah. They're well written. Yeah. They're compelling. Right. And the culture wants to believe them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so things that like there's a bunch of stuff that's come out in our culture in the last few years. where like, it's false. Yeah. We all should have known it was false. But yeah. a lot of people wanted to believe wanted it, it to be and true. so they yeah. said it was true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's. And I think also, like, when people are not expected to behave in certain ways, because, mm-hmm. like, I was taught both as a Christian and as a citizen, like, by my family and my culture in yeah. upstate New York, that if you weren't doing something wrong, there were certain ways that you showed it by how you behaved. You behaved in a quote oh, upstanding way, yeah, yeah. So that other people yeah. didn't just know you did something wrong, but they wouldn't suspect you of doing something. Yeah, you weren't suspicious in all right. these other things that you said and did. Right, yeah. you were. Yeah, you were responsible to act yeah. non-suspiciously, right? Yeah. And that was your responsibility, right. so that people right. shouldn't suspect you. Find you weird. Yeah, so what, one of the things is that's gone away. Yeah. What's happened is people are behaving more suspiciously, and then they get outraged that people suspect them. Yeah. Right. So, for example, and if people act- suspect them like correctly for what they're doing, too. And then right. they're like, well, how do you you don't have any evidence for this? But it's just because yeah. this is you're acting weird, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Like if it's if it's warm out. Yeah. And you're wearing a hoodie with the hood up and you're trying to hide your face. Yeah. Is that suspicious? Yeah. And like 
because you get this in the racial discussions in America, yep. right? And the the, re, the reality, as far as I can tell, is given the right body language, yeah, yeah. of course it is. Yeah. Because generally speaking, the way you put other people right. at ease is you allow them to see your face and, and your facial not, expression. And people may, I mean, the argument is like, usually it's, this is a cultural thing and this is how we dress. And this is, right. But it's like... But but it's overlaying a universal yeah. human thing. Yes. And so if right. you say my cultural thing is my cultural thing, well, but if it overlays a right. universal human, if, if all human beings are neurologically predisposed to see something you're doing as um, aggressive, yeah. and then you say, this is just my culture. Right. Well, the problem is, is that they can't help but register it as aggression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there, there are things in black culture. I think there's some probably some things in white culture that are probably like that too. I mean, they're, I, I don't know. But the, right. the point is, is that like, we tell ourselves fairy tales for, for many reasons. So one of the reasons, so for example, if I believed that a particular candidate, Democrat or Republican right now was going to, was going to restore good behavior to something like the FBI, I don't care what party they were, I'd vote for them. I mean, because, because in my view, that's more like the, the believability of those in authority is one of the most important things any culture can have it, far more important than any of their policies. Even if their policies sucked, you would still. Yeah. So let's say I was a very convinced Democrat mm-hmm. and, but I thought that the Democrat that was running was, was happy to do whatever was necessary to keep Democrats to, in to, power. Yeah. But the Republican though, I disagreed with his views was going to do the, was like more going to force people to do the right thing. Like they were going to investigate whoever broke the law instead yep. of whether or not yeah. the other party did. Yeah. I would vote for the Republican. Oh, Instead yeah. of the Democrat, because the foundation of that, I can trust the government that I can yeah. trust. Well, that I can trust the main law enforcement agency right. is so fundamental. I mean, think right. about how displeased a lot of African-Americans are with American culture mm-hmm. because the most foundational um, structures of the government, they mm-hmm. don't trust them. Yeah. Right. They don't trust medicine because of Tuskegee and some like some of the medical stuff that happened. Right. They don't trust the law enforcement because yeah. of the, right? they don't trust the legal system because they can't afford to get the kind of outcomes that they want. Yeah. Like it. And, and it seems like white people have money can, right? Yeah. They, these are like the most foundational, right? Right. And ec- economically, they're like, we get boxed out of stuff all the time. Grocery stores don't want to come where we live. Like these are like the most basic things. Well, if right. they, these don't serve us. Then this whole society doesn't serve us. Right. Well, we're, we say we were trying to make that better for black people while we're making it worse for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. You have to restore trust in authority or nothing yeah. good can happen. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, how do you do that through... Re, re, well, you talked about this morning. We had a meeting. You said you can do that through re, re, in introducing maybe like the the foundation, the family, the family foundation, and the local church, mm-hmm. and those things. Like, but yeah. how do you get the public to? If things to trust are corrupt, authority? you have to say where can we restore things from? Is there any yeah. place that's pure yeah. or any place that's wholesome right. or healthy? And so, what Christians have always believed is that that's why one of the reasons why salvation is individual, yeah, and why there are families and churches because a whole society can go to pot, yeah, but you can still have a healthy church, a healthy family, and a healthy individual, and then that's somewhere to bring reformation from, yeah. Like when I say that there's a lot of corruption in American leadership, I mm-hmm. do believe that, yeah. And um, so, like, if you go back to the, like 1950s or 60s, was there a lot of was there a lot of immorality in American leadership in in terms of treating some people unjustly, like in racism or sexism? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But was there a higher expectation that people lived above board and did things um, 
did things impartially, there was, there was yeah. more of that too. Yeah. And so now that we've switched over from a doctrine of truth that we misused yes. to a view of power that we also misused, yeah. things are twice as bad yeah. because you still have corruption and hypocrisy, yeah. but you have in addition to that, a ruthless understanding of life, which is yeah. we're all just grabbing for power. Yeah. There is no truth. Yeah. And so it becomes doubly corrupt. Yeah. And I just think that's awful. Anyway, that's let me true. say one last thing about, about Easter before Easter, we wrap yeah. up. So you might ask, okay, even if I use the word Easter, what practices of Easter should we then use? Mm -hmm. Should I do Easter egg hunts with my kids? Should I buy them chocolate bunnies? Like, what should we do? And my response to that is, is I would structure your day in the way you celebrate it around the Christian truth. Yeah. And I would use any symbol mm -hmm. that you think is fostering the Christian truths. Chocolate cross. <laughs> so I think I think doing eggs is fine yeah. as long as you're reappropriating the meaning um, I, I also think celebrating the Passover can be really good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like having like, ha like reading the Exodus story yeah. on, on good Friday, have a meal with lamb and yeah. bitter herbs and mm -hmm. like, and act out. You don't have to like a lot of Christians when they do the Passover, they go and they get like a messianic Jew mm -hmm. or they get like a, some like Haggadah from a rabbi or something mm -hmm. like that. And they want to do it the, the Jewish way. Yeah. I just am not a big believer in that. Yeah. I'm like, go to the book of Exodus and look at how God told them to celebrate the Passover and then just do that. And then just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Read the story, do the thing. Yeah. And because I think generally speaking, the rabbinical tradition adds a lot and takes mm -hmm. away a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's good. Yeah. So they don't, you're not supposed to eat it quick. The Passover meal takes forever. Mm -hmm. You don't prepare to leave. Like, like I think when you eat the Passover, it says you're, you should have your staff in your hand and your sandals on your feet. You should be ready to leave Egypt right now. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody should have their shoes on and their coats on and the, the car keys should be on the table. Like you're just oh. about to go and leave somewhere. Yeah. In fact, I think it would be good if you made everybody pack like three days worth of an overnight bag. Yeah. And have have it, they're like roller things we're all by the table. Yeah, like we're yeah. literally all gonna move. Suitcases and everything. Right. Yeah. Because that was the expectation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you know or that kind of thing. So I think yeah. using the Passover feast, I think Lent is fine if you want to celebrate mm -hmm. it. I think it's a reasonably good thing. Yeah. Um. There's things like resurrection cookies. There's these like cookies where you like mix them and then you put them in the oven and you close it for the night. And on Easter morning, they've they're like empty on the inside. Oh. They've like risen and they like the middle kind of disintegrates. And so there's like a resurrection that's happened. Really? Oh, well. I mean, I think Christians should look for Christian things that yeah, are still so fun. Yeah. Still might have sweets or something that kids like. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily. I mean, I just don't see where rabbits are going to get us. Yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, if you got Tim Keller in here, I'm sure he could find a way to preach the gospel through a rabbit. Yeah. I mean, I agree with St. Francis. You can preach the gospel through every, everything in creation. Yeah. And any symbol that's ever been used by a pagan can be reappropriated through the gospel of the creator. Just use the easy resource. But that's not what yeah. we're doing when we buy right. Easter bunnies. Yeah. We're, we haven't that's reappropriated true. the yeah. Easter bunny. Yeah. Right. Because we don't think of Easter as a fertility holiday. No. We think of it as... As it's, not, it's not a rebirth, it's a resurrection, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time, I do think that the connection of Easter to spring yeah. is good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It feels... And the sunrise, like we have sunrise services. Jesus was yeah. had risen before the full sunrise. Yeah. The fact that Easter was the appropriation of the goddess of the sunrise, mm -hmm. right? And that Jesus is the God who rose before the sunrise. Before the sunrise. He yeah. precedes it, yeah. right? Like you could preach that. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. and so I think as long as Christians are properly reappropriating mm -hmm. things, these symbols of nature and creation mm -hmm. away from their pagan meaning to towards the meaning of the creator yeah. and redeemer, yeah. then I think any symbol can be Christian mm -hmm. and is rightly Christian in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that we, I think it'd be great for churches and for people to kind of rethink how they celebrate Easter and not yeah. get fixated on the word Easter. 
Right. And certainly not be intimidated by how um, how pagans and non-believers and neo-pagans want to tell you that Easter is a pagan holiday. But sure. I also think we need to learn a lesson from Alexander Hislop that um, our hatred for other Christians and other people can lead us to believe things and even tell lies that we think are in the service of God, but end up being in the service of his enemies. Yeah, We always have to tell the truth, never bear false witness mm-hmm. against our neighbor. And we need to be aware of our biggest reason, our prejudices, lest they lead us to do something for God that is really for Satan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're an hour and 15 into this. So um, we're going to wrap this up. Um, yeah. So now everybody knows about Easter so they can rest assured that they can celebrate it next year. Um, and I guess that's it. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Yeah. And recommend this particular episode to people who you've heard this from. Right. Who disagree. Yeah. Who think these things about Easter. So with all that being said, we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye. See thanks for listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on google podcasts apple podcasts overcast and other apps like those We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thank you for listening to this episode of Engage in a